Hey, chaps. So we are continuing our wonderful chat on geographic, geographical dominion. Um, we, we chatted uh, quite in depth the last two days about um, tribe and in-group um, and loving your people and uh, just setting a, a, a desire for belonging, a, a desire for, uh, you know, having a people, having a place and the Venn diagram of belonging, uh, scale of, of ownership or investment or contribution over time towards a knowable constant group of people. You know, you push those three things together and, and the sweet spot in the middle is meaning and belonging. Um, you know, that we are all, we're all so desperate for. Um, and for some of us, we have the, the wonderful privilege, the, the beauty of, of being, of inheriting from our parents time, time preference. You know, if, if your parents have been in one place, I was chatting this morning with a friend from, uh, a, a Twitter friend and they were saying how their son was born on the same property as their grand as their grandfather. So the son was born on the same property as his great grandfather. And it's just like, whoa, like that is an inheritance. This whole thing of, of I am rooted this place, you know, Wendell Berry's whole thing of the, the land owns our family line, the land owns us. That's amazing. You know, so that is one of the biggest inheritances that some of us uh, do have. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to be cherished and honored and, and appreciated. Uh, for, for the rest of us, we don't have that. You know, through our own uh, either dissatisfaction of where we grew up or, or our parents not choosing a place intentionally and, and we're leaving because, uh, you know, it's not conducive to the future generations and we are now the pioneer to a new place. You know, so, so there could be like somehow, well, that's it. I don't think there's many new frontiers anymore, you know, where you head out into the wilderness and, and start a new little homestead where there's, you know, no one there and a village not there. It's like, there's always going to be little villages around, you know? So you are pretty much in this day and age, a newcomer to any area that you relocate to. Now you could speed up, uh, the, the scale of the group around you by bringing your friends along, you know? So if we chose a place and four of my mates all said, yep, we're all going together and you went out there, well, now you've, you've created a colony, you've brought with you time. You've brought with you that investment with three or four people living in the same, uh, three or four families living in the same uh, geographic area as you. But for, for those of us who are either just straight up starting a new, a new area or, or don't have the, uh, the wonderful uh, presence of friends who have moved with you, this thing of time is gonna be an issue. Um, you know, and, and you've got to, you've got to hold, uh, that time preference of my children are going to grow up in this area, having inherited time and they will grow up an amazing inheritance. They inherit a house or they inherit a, 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 a trust fund or whatever. It's like, that's wonderful. God bless them. I'm not a victim. If I don't inherit all the same things that they do, I just, I've got to carry on with what God has given me. You know, and, and it's that whole thing of one talent versus 10 talents. Some people inherit 10 talents. And so God is going to expect more of them, uh, you know, and if we, you know, that's fine. 
we are we're gonna be faithful with that one talent and and build so that's what we're gonna hit on today is how do we um, increase our scale of ownership investment contribution over time towards a knowable uh, group of people DVD welcome brother and so um, and so when when I got thinking about that you know obviously is the whole Amish vibe of of skin in the game owning land together? You know, you 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 go and you buy a piece of land. You now have skin in the game. You know, in our little subdivision hamlet that I live in, you can see the homes that are owned, and you can see the homes that are rented. The homes that are owned all have beautiful gardens, nice fences. They they look like they are loved. The homes that are rented are just they're still the same as when they were built. No effort put into the garden, no effort put into improvements in the house. It's like, this is a rented house and it feels that way. And we live in a rental society where our place is just something to, to use. It's just something to get us by until we find something better or until we uh, can make a break and, and get something that we like, uh, you know? And, and when we look at it that way of like, oh yeah, I'm just working here. Or I'm just I'm just here until something better comes up, and what that does is it stops us from getting to know people because we're like, you know, I don't care the the name of the shopkeeper, I don't care the name of the mechanic, I don't care the name of you know all your little places that you frequent uh, in your economic life in the area you are because you're like they're they're either really vagrant and always changing or I'm really vagrant and always changing, so we've got to get into this mindset of putting down roots of getting to this place of like, okay, I'm going to get to know these people. I'm going to get to the, know their names. They're going to get to know mine. And a lot of guys are like, but that's a waste of energy. That's a waste of time. Because, you know, what if we move every two years? What if they move every two years? It's like, man, you can't do this. And it's like, but this is the thing. Why are people moving every two years? Why are people always on the lookout for another place? Because we don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like we know anyone. We don't feel like we're known. And, you know, often all it takes for someone to move is for someone else to make an offer, you know, and be like, call you up and be like, hey, Scott, would you like to move with us out to Arizona? Would you like to move with us up to Vermont? Like we're looking at some property up there or Tennessee, wherever. And it's like, immediately guys are like, yeah, I'm open to that because the, the thing we're all searching for is relationship. We're searching for three or four strong guys that we uh, feel safe with, that we feel brotherhood with to live near. You know, and it's not like, it's also, it's not the whole Jim Jones cult thing of like, I live like always coming over to visit always, you know, the Bible says that if you're often in your neighbor's house, they'll grow to despise you. It's, it's just like, it's just nice to live in a neighborhood, to live in a town or a community or an area where, you know, a bunch of dudes are solid dudes. And, you know, you maybe get together once a week for church. You maybe get together once a week at the pub. Um, you maybe get together once a month for a, a, a day of sport or hunting or, or, hiking, whatever it is, but this intentional thing of just knowing that there's people like me, it's the whole thing of kith and kin. It's the whole thing of, of faith community. It's the whole thing of gang, gang belonging. There are men around me who are like me and who, who, who know me and who, uh, who, who appreciate me. And so one of the ways we, we build this though, is through contributing our gift, right? So one of the, the, the problems we have um, with our economic system, this capitalist, vagrant, uh, and I just want to clarify this because 
on on Twitter the other day, a guy was saying how he doesn't know why capitalism gets such a hard rap. And I think for me, you know, in my libertarian uh, days when I was like, oh, free market, it's all about the free market, privatize everything. Capitalism has lifted everyone out. It's like, it's true. It's true. But the biggest abusers of the of capitalism and the free market, the oligarchs, uh, the corporatists, right? They they disguise their abuse and exploitation of people in place through free marketism. Through it's a private company, brother. And so so that's where my disdain. When I say capital, I'm talking about corporatism. I'm talking about oligarchism, where where economy becomes so powerful that economy, the domain of economy, overrules governance and ministry. And often the domain of economy owns the domain of ministry. And then it begins to own the domain of government and it begins to own the domain of ministry, right? By, by, by either paying things out or uh, just being able to, to engage in corporate lawfare, you know, tying things up in courts and threats of legal action and blah, 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 all this stuff. Anyway, so that's an aside. We get to this place where um, our society is so... Uh, we are so afraid of the capitalization of the church. We're so afraid of the capitalization of our friendships and relationships. We're petrified of basing relationships on economic trade. When for, for, for all of history, that is the predominant relationship between men, right? Ladies are, are, are relational through intimacy. They're relational through sharing of, of, feelings and sharing of stories and sharing of, of, uh, you know, home life. And, and, uh, you know, they're, they're very relational in that way. Men, we form bonds by doing things. You know, why are the greatest friendships that we think back on for all the military guys, it's in the military for all of the guys who've ever played sports or blood sports. It's like, these were the friendships that were just rich and deep because you were doing things together. You were sacrificing together. You were facing danger together. It's like that is the soil of masculine uh, friendship. And so what more is a gang? What more is a tribe? What more is, is a militaristic, malicious style group, secret society, than an economic protection machine, right? Our daily life is economy. Pri it's primarily economy, right? And one of our big gripes right now is that economically we are being attacked. We are being parasited. We are being enslaved. And so one of our biggest uh, issues is how do we get protection geographically, protection from outside exploiters, outside slavers, outside parasites. It's a protection racket, right? This is where the gangs are, are so clear to see. It's like you're protecting a drug route. You're protecting a trafficking route. Like you're protecting a poppy field. You're protecting, if you're Amish, you're peddling your corn. Um, there's a, there has to be security. This is civilization, right? It's, it's, it, this is where, the, unfortunately, the libertarians and the anarchists do understand that, that, that governance in, in the high levels is one gang enforcing its monopoly on force on another gang. But as Christians, we're like, yeah, that's God's, God mandated that, right? God, God sanctioned the sword as a ministry, right? It's the bearing of a sword on wicked men, on, on men who are breaking the peace and prosperity of the tribe and their geographical area. 
Uh, wait a minute. I don't have family land anymore, but I do have legacy seed. The seed I'm planting today is the offspring from the corn my great, 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 great grandfather planted. Awesome, brother. Talking about forming our guilds. Yep. So, so when it comes to our geographical area, economy is the first basis of relationship. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's say, you know, let, let's go back to the Wild West frontier days of, you know, 1700s. And we've just come across from Europe and, and we're, we're wanting our own piece of land and we're going to go be a rugged, um, either a rugged homesteader or a fur trapper or whatever. Or, you know, you, you arrive in Chicago or, or New York or Philadelphia and you now want to be a tradesman or a businessman or a merchant in the city. You are first and foremost, and nothing has changed 300 years later. Your first and foremost concern is economy. Roof over my head, food in my belly, uh, your, your furnishings of health and safety. You know, will I live longer than a week? Will I live longer than a year uh, to then start working on comfort or significance or fun or social life or whatever, right? So that's our first and foremost concern. And nothing has changed in life. You know, so you move to a new area, you're buying property, you're buying a house, you're trying to set up, you know, if you're a homesteader, you're trying to set up food production. If you're a tradesman or, or working online or whatever it is, you are, you are buying or trading food production, right? So where's the local grocery store or how do I order, um, you know, my, my, my living, my furnishings for my lifestyle. And this is where relationships come in, you know? The, the the old the old OG Americana, small town Americana, you know, this is where friendships and relationships and family uh, alliances and things start coming in. It's like, oh, you're the lumberjack. Well, we need wood from you to build our houses. And so now we are very appreciative of the lumberjack. We're like, this guy's doing a wonderful service. For 30 years, he grew wood and then he lumbered, he milled it and everything like that. And I just pitch up and buy it from him wonderful you know and i sell whatever i sell or my trade or my skill and you know it's this wonderful appreciation of each other in our everyday lives that actually builds relationship we're doing things together and now that economy then spreads to ministry right we're doing church together we're doing mission together we're doing uh cultural things together it spreads to governance right we're doing you have to form a law and order uh system together you know who's the local judge who's the local sheriff you know that is a huge service to the community the guys who are bearing the sword you know the mayor uh, all of that stuff it's like whoa like there's a huge the infrastructure guys right the waterboard guy the electric the electricity guys right you are you are running the infrastructure you're governing the infrastructure for society to happen and so creating all these these things we don't do it in a vacuum you don't do your job in a in a vacuum and don't meet anyone and don't impact anyone's lives you know that's what i said about the the town doctor the reason the, the town doctor is a man of high status a man of high honor is because his surf service happens to be life and death right you 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 love the guy because he saved you from whatever and now you're he healthy again like there's nothing more um serious to us than life or death 
And that's why the doctor is like, oh, I love the doctor. I love the doctor. And it's like, you've probably only seen him twice a year for the last five years, but you're like, you know that this guy is valuable. You want to honor him. So whenever you see him in time, you're like, hey, doctor. And uh, you know, you, you treat them very nicely, right? And no less all the other economic things, governance things, media, ministry, right? We understand with each other of like, man, in a little community of 120 people, life and death, social life and death, ministry life and death, media life and death, you know, for instance, the local the little local coffee shop here, they provide a wonderful service. You know, it's a it's great entertainment to go down there and have a cup of coffee with your wife and chat and you know see other people there and they have little events there and it provides a wonderful it adds a layer of culture to the town. Now, if they were to close up shop, it would be saddening. It would be like, oh man, like we're not a hip little town with a coffee shop anymore, you know. And so to let them know that, you know, like we say to the ladies who, who own the coffee shops, like, you know, you guys, they, they never forced anyone to wear masks the whole way through lockdown. And it's like, you know, we just said to them, it's like, you know, probably about three, four months ago already, like I said to the lady, I was like, you know, I just want you to know that you are a, a great positive energy to this town. You know, we go around to other places and they shout at you for not having masks. So you start getting worn down of like, oh, well, I'm not going there anymore. I'm not going there anymore. And, and you're your scale of normal sane life starts closing in where it's like the only two places I can go are the hardware store and this coffee shop and praise God for you. Um, you know, because you're, you're adding to this town a, a place of normal life. What a service, you know, to let them know that like, you know, and they're probably like, we're having a hard time. Like, is this business worth it? Are we making a difference? I mean, what is it to God to run a coffee shop? Like, does God even care if I run a coffee shop? And it's like, Hey, you're ministering to people by not giving into clown world and selling good coffee and having a cute little place to take your wife on a date. Like what a ministry, you know, and now we've created community, right? Cause now they know us, we know them. We go in once a week, twice a week and we chat, chit chat and encourage them and find out about their life. And like, it's this thing of building community and, and you know, old me would be like, this is all superficial. You're paying them money for their drink. They have to be nice to you. And it's like, yeah, sure. But you do this for years and years and years, and then their children grow up with your children. And it's like, you've created community. You've created belonging with a bit of money thrown in here and there. So let's go to, to our contribution of our gift. Because this is the biggest thing, right? Not all of us. Some of us, it's easy. I'm a doctor. That's my gift. Open up you know, my, my practice and all my clients. And, and I'm, a, I'm a status increaser to this community. I'm a... I'm a you know, it's easy, right? Same thing for, for being a police officer, being a sheriff. Like there's very easy things that are very clear cut that you understand. Like I am a net positive to my community. I'm a man of status in my community. I'm a man of purpose and mission in my community. But for a lot of, of, of guys who are specifically in the economic domain, you know, if you're just a tradesman or, you know, selling a product or, uh, you know, just working a service job even, you know, like, God, what, what am I even doing in this community? And so the first gift, the first contribution that you have to understand is your presence. It says in Proverbs that the glory of a prince or the glory of a king is how many people he has in his kingdom. And so one of the, the, the most encouraging things, you know, same with, with pastors, right? A lot of pastors get turned up about how many people are in their church or not and how many people come to their events and blah, blah, blah. Same with, you know, with any, any kind of thing that requires a, a response, 
it's nice to have more people, right? But your town, the more people who are sons and kings and giving glory to God, and it's like, I like being here. Your presence, like, oh, wow, that really that really uh, guy who's got all his stuff really sorted out and all together and he's got a nice family and he's just living in a house and he's just just a, a Mr. Steady, right? You, you might not think there's anything special about your life. You're just a steady guy doing his job that no one really knows about. Have a wife, a couple of kids, you have a little house in, in on the outskirts of town or whatever. And it's like, what difference do I make? And it's like confidence. The stock market is all about confidences, right? If there's confidence in the stock, up the price goes. If there's panic and loss of confidence, loss of faith, down the stock goes. Your town, your geographic area, your community is a stock. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an ethereal spiritual stock, right? When you say community, you can't point it out. You you can't say, oh, that's that is like community is a software, right? It's not a hardware. You can't point to it and be like, oh, your community is blue and 12 years old. It's like, you can't, you can't do that. But what you can point to is the faith, the, the atmosphere, the camaraderie, the, the belonging. Like we understand the, the, the spiritual essence of community, right? And that comes from confident men enjoying where they live. Like if you say to someone like, yeah, I really love it here. You know, you can meme. That's why Donald Trump was such a, a great promoter, right? Every project he did, it was like, this project is the greatest project. It's the, frankly, folks, phenomenal project. It's the best project, isn't it, folks? Isn't it? They're, everyone knows it. Best project. And the project hasn't even started yet. The project doesn't even have, it hasn't even got off the ground. It's a bare piece of dirt. They haven't even got the permits. They don't even know if they can do the project. And he's already telling everyone it's the best project in the world. And it's like, it's a meme. And the meme becomes self-fulfilling. It's the same thing with our little town, our little colony. Our little uh, 12 or 40, you know, guys that we are have together at church or have together in, in, in our in our in-group. It's like we have to believe that we are the, the crust, the upper crust, the, the fine cream of society. That everybody who finds us on Twitter wants to move out to where we are and join us in brotherly camaraderie as we build an in-group economy uh, and have our children all marry and have family alliances and much wealth, peace, and prosperity away from clown world. You know, that's the <laughs> W laser under budget ahead of schedule. Believe me, folks, every time. And, you know, we need to start talking that way about where we live. We need to start talking that way about our wife and our family. We need to start talking that way about our businesses, our projects, our domain, you know, to black pill on your own environment is like, dude, you don't understand that you are the steward. You are the governor that God has put over your house, over your marriage, over your little business or, or project or whatever your domain is. It's like, start, start promoting, start promoting the heck out of it, you know? And, and so here comes one of the fears is like, well, Scott, if, if I talk up my service or my trade or my product that I push economically, if I talk up my location for people to come and visit or my church or my, my ministry or my media thing or my governance of like, am I LARPing? Am I just a LARPer? And, um, and that's our biggest fear, you know, that people are going to see that I'm a LARPer. People are going to see that I'm a fraud. And like, I have news for you. 
there is nothing else. There is nothing else but LARPing. There is nothing else but saying, this is the vision. This is the identity that God has softwared on me. I'm going to live action, play it out, take a, a step. This is what God is wanting me to do. And so that's what we, we've got to do. That first disappointment of being a fraud, it makes us hide our gift. It makes us bury our talent, right? So I just want to encourage you guys, give your gift, exercise your gift. You know, if you're if your gift is whatever your project, your domain, your, your, your thing is, give it to people, right? Like do the thing, you know? So, so just a, a really easy one with me with, with YouTube, like for the longest time, I was like, I should start a YouTube channel. I should start a YouTube channel. And it's like, no, like I've got to get my life together first, or I've got to like, I don't, I won't be as cool as the other guys, or I won't all the stuff. And it's like, okay, you're afraid that people are going to see you who know you in real life and they're going to be like, oh, this guy's a fraud or, or this guy's wrong or he's a Nazi or he's, you know, all the things that come to mind when you actually start doing the thing, right? And for a lot of other things as well, it's like we have a vision, right? Like, oh, I want to be a farmer. I want to be a farmer. I want to be a farmer. And then an opportunity comes up to have a piece of land and you're like, oh, crap, I have to do the thing now rather than just talk about the thing, you know? And so again, it's they're going to see I'm a fraud. And it's like, Everybody starts somewhere. Everybody starts at zero. Failure is not final. It's the it's the inability to start, to, to pick yourself up and carry on going. That's the issue, right? We have far more grace for guys who are, are just honest and who are just like, yeah, let's give it a go. So that's the first fear, right? Fear of being a fraud, fear of being a failure in front of others. And it's like, guys, we've got to get over this thing of hiding our talent. And it's like, you don't have to be Donald on day one. But if you want to be a property developer, if that's your domain, you do need to go and buy the little fixer-upper uh, on 6th Street that is, you know, not very flashy, not very sexy, and everyone's going to laugh at you if you make a mess of this. Like, you still, you have to go do it, right? And it's like, we expect ourselves to be Donald of like, well, I didn't get a sweet deal and have a crazy story. And, and, and it's like, no, just go do the little thing that you have faith for. Go give your gift. Go give your gift. <clears throat> Rob. Trust me, folks, Mexico is going to pay for it. Believe me, it's going to be big DVG. It is going to be beautiful. Nothing's more beautiful than something that I call beautiful. Believe me, frankly. So that's the first thing is, is, is not being afraid of. And I think if we can admit that to guys, you know, of like, hey, man, like, you know, I'm afraid of, of failing. I'm afraid of messing up. And it's like, you'll find that everyone else is like, oh yeah, man, no problem. If we mess up, like we try something else or this wasn't it. Or it's like, oh, okay, cool. So you're not going to like reject me or abandon me or, or call me a fraud. And it's like, no, why, why would I do that? Like we're, we're all mates here. We're all trying to, trying to get things going. Second thing is that reverse disappointment, right? I don't want, I don't want to meet the people I've met online or I don't want to give my gift uh, to people who could be disappointing to me, right? We, we so often put expectations on other people that are not realistic, you know? A great one here is Jordan Peterson, right? We all, we all, when he cut, when he came out, we we're like, wow, Jordan Peterson's amazing. He's the father I never had. Like he's the, the brave pastor that our pastors never were. He's bucking the system. He's challenging the system. And it's like, wow. And we all flock to him and we put on him our father expectations and our father wound and our, we put on him our, our, our meaning and our belonging. And we put on him our, desire for like a leader and 
And of course he, he can't maintain the facade, right? Because he himself was like, he was trying to, there's a lot of things I'm not going to try and diagnose where, where it was, but, but the point is we put all these expectations on him. And when he fails, we're like, I'm disappointed. I should never have trusted him. I should never have all of this stuff. Right. But as, as a bunch of dudes, it's like, I'm not inviting Jordan Peterson uh, to come and live with me and start a, a colony. I'm not inviting Jordan Peterson to come be my business partner. I'm not inviting Jordan Peterson to come join my church. It's I'm inviting another guy who's very similar to me. We're, we're, we're going to tell each other the truth. We're going to, uh, here it is. I think, and, and this is the fear with cults, right? The fear is I'm going to sign my life over to Jim Jones. He's going to somehow take over the software of my mind and I can never regain independence ever again. I'm going to be stuck to this guy or I'm going to be stuck to this church or I'm going to be stuck to this business or I'm going to be stuck to this whatever thing we're so petrified of with other people. When in reality, like we're strong men with boundaries, you know, and if at any time another guy makes you feel uncomfortable, you can just be like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. It's all it takes, you know, like, yeah, man, happy for, for, for you to do that. I'm not going to do it. No, like that's all it takes, right? So for a lot of us, we're so afraid because for so long, we've been told you're not allowed to say no. You're not allowed to back out. You're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed, like once you sign up for something, you're in it forever. And we get petrified of trying new things in case we get chained to a failure or chained to something that is not what we thought it would be. So when it comes to contributing your gift in your community, right? Chaps, there is no fear in learning people's names. You know, when you go to the hardware store, hey man, what's your name? Like getting to know them, inviting them over for dinner, right? It's like, what if I invite over a serial killer? It's like, guys, this is a little town of 2,000 people. And, you know, if you're afraid of a serial killer, like, I don't know, this is, whew, things are escalating over here. <laughs> Point is, if you're afraid of a serial killer, meet up somewhere public or invite other mates who you know and, and have a, it's dating, right? It's dating, but for dudes in a non-sexual, very meaningful way. Like if you're afraid of dudes, do it as a group or whatever. But what I'm saying is, chaps, we have to start stepping out of our comfort zone and meeting other dudes and being like, hey, tell me more about yourself. And, and we can start slowly, you know. Um, yeah. Also, your mess up may end up creating the infrastructure for your kids rather than to you and your generation right now. And that's it. That's the sacrifice, the sacrificial vision we have to carry is what am I building for my children? Because that takes the fear of man away. Well, and, and the first thing is the fear of God. You know, we, we have to have an, a, a proper understanding, a right understanding, a humility that I am God's man. You know, I'm God's man. <clears throat> Genesis 26, 18, Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. Um, <laughs> DVG, it's okay, Scott, you can be Jim Jones. We're not scared. Plus, might be cool to have a serial killer of supper. I mean, it would be fascinating. It would be really interesting. Again, I think... I think our society is so is so cancel culture with political correctness because this is this is what they they did in uh, in the USSR, right? If you said Joseph Stalin is a wanker, and the other guy didn't report you, both of you would go to gulag, 
right? So they created in this thing, guilt by association. They created a mass hysteria of guilt by association. If you don't toe the party line, if you don't say the party things, guilt by association. Everyone who didn't who didn't tell on you or didn't correct you or didn't shame you, they would go to Gulag as well. And that's what we have now in present day, right? So, so if we invite... Uh, and, and let's take serial killer off because that's that's a stupid, that's a, 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 a not a realistic thing. It's like one in a million people are, are serial killers. So you're going to hit a jackpot there. Let's take this, right? A guy is, let's go extreme here. A guy, because what would be uncomfortable? A guy is a secret uh, skinhead, Ku Klux clone, Ku Klux Klan, um, wants to own slaves again. Um swears at every Chinese person who comes into the town, like super obnoxious, blah, blah, blah. But you don't know this about him, right? He's, he's just, he's just the hardware store guy. And you invite him over for supper. You have a nice chat. You get, get to know each other. And this is great. And the next day you go out and everyone's like, Oh, Scott had dinner with the Ku Klux Klan dragon. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't know that about him. But here's where the cancel culture comes in. They're like, but you didn't tell on him and you you were friendly to him. So therefore, you are the Ku Klux Klan dragon. You have a Chinese slave in your basement. And it's like the only the only um, response to that is like, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, I couldn't care less. I'm living my life. I'm not him. If he wants to do that. Like, that's on him. I couldn't care. The moment you start apologizing, the moment you start being like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that Bob, the, the hardware store guy, is a Chinese slaving Ku Klux dragon. It's like, I'm sorry, I release a statement and I'll never see him again. It's like, this is weird. Like, this is just Stasi cancel culture. Like, you know, we have to let go of this guilt by association of, it's the whole church and Donald thing. You know, if Donald shows up at church or, or a scaled down regional Donald, shows up at church and you know, he's on his third wife and you know, he's really wealthy and he's, you know, maybe done some underhand things and paid off the mayor and, and all this kind of random stuff. A lot of Christian boys would be so afraid of touching the guy because of guilt by association. You know, whereas Jesus, when you look at Jesus, it's like, Oh, talking to the woman at the well. Oh, talking to the tax collector. Oh, talking to the high priest. Oh, talking to the Roman centurion. Oh, touching the leper. Oh, having a, a lewd fisherman who cuts people's ears off as your right-hand guy. You know, there's this, there's this, I don't care to Jesus, right? Jesus walked around like, yeah, I don't care. They're like, do you know who Peter is? It's like, yeah, he's, he's one of my top guys. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, he's one of my top guys. It's like, oh my gosh, like we can't understand this. You know, same for David with, with the mighty men, you know, 400 men show up at his camp. And they're like, you're my captain now. And he's like, yeah, I'm your captain now. And there were 400 low status rejects who, if they had followed any other person around, it's like, whoa, chaps, you're, you're tanking my status. Guilt by association here. I'm not, I'm not going to touch you guys. Like, get the heck out of here. I'm a man of high status, don't you know? I am blah, blah, blah. And I've got to look good for all the people and whatnot. I, you rebel, I, I can't even breathe the air that you breathe. Correct, polite society. We're already on the outside of any status or whatever of, of 
clown world. Like you don't want to be celebrated by clown world. You don't want to be clean and squeaky to clown world. You don't want to be a high status guy in clown world. You want to be a man after God's heart. You want to be high status in the kingdom. You want to be high status. You want to grow. It says about Jesus, he grew in stature with God and man, right? So it's fine to be high status with men and, and in clown world. But first of all, am I high status with God? <clears throat> Wait a minute. Very true. I'm planting trees now on my land, knowing I'll never see their fruit. But I'm planting for my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Epic, brother. That is huge win. Just absolute. And just take a moment and just be impressed. Like, that is the virtue signaling we need, brother. If, uh, if only we could have more men like you. We would have society in the next generation. We'd have civilization in the next generation. And this is what we aim to be. Aim to be. DBG sounds like how they criticized Jesus and he never apologized for who he ate with. He ignored it and just continued his mission. Yeah. And that's where we have to understand the fear of man, chaps. Fear of man will make you believe that we need society's approval to do anything. Fear of God says, if God is for me, who can be against me? My enemies will come out against me one way and they will flee seven ways. You know, Abraham saying, I will not take your sweet little treats because I, I'm not going to have anyone say that that some man made me rich or made me successful. God will make me successful. God will make me rich. God will make me uh, yeah, a success. You know, that's the fear of the Lord. So so let's get back to, to giving our gift. Number one, your presence, right? Your presence, your confidence conveys. You know, what is it? What is the, the I often think about this, right? Back when... Uh, when Prince Harry was still based and, and a military man and out hunting and being a lad, I would often think, I was like, what is the work of a prince, of a modern day prince? It's to convey the royal presence. You know, he's not, he's not out there being an accountant. He's not out there being an army commander. He's not out there being a, a political governor. He is a conveyor of presence, which by by uh, association is a conveyor of the royal approval, conveyor of status, right? So if he shows up at your work and there's a photo opportunity and he shakes your hand, and he's like, oh yes, very nice to meet you old chap. Like, good job you're doing here. Slap on the back, rah, rah. Her majesty is very approved, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he's just lifted the, the morale of that area. He's just lifted the confidence of all the people in that business or in that service or in that project of like, wow, the queen sees us. Wow, we're noticed. Wow, like this guy who's one of the most status guys has come to our life, you know. And we have to see that about ourselves, chaps, as, as every man a king, as this biblical aristocracy of, of Jesus uh, being the king of kings, that we are the kings that Jesus is king of. Our number one gift is the gift of presence. You know, when you when you decide on a place to settle down or, or if you're continuing your family's line, uh, in that place that you were born, understand that my presence conveys the approval of heaven, the approval of God. It conveys the pleasure of his majesty, the king, on this area, on my domain that I'm, I'm involved in, right? And so, you know, even now where they're getting, where they're, they, they, like Prince Harry's blown it and he's, he's totally just, just, I don't know how you can go any lower, but trust me, folks, there are some darker days ahead. 
but even there, it's like you get some cushy HR job in some, you know, global homo diverse company. Even there, it's they're recognizing that his presence in an HR position or a consulting position, that's why all these crazy big shot uh, diplomatic people get very crazy speaking fees to go and speak somewhere. They could literally give the crappiest speech. All they need to do is come eat the food at the lunch, stand up, say a few thank yous, and be like, oh, yes, blah, 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 the monetary policy, fiscal policy, 2019, uh, blah, 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 geopolitical, something, something, drop some names, uh, really thank uh, Ron, great, uh, great work over here. Boom, 500 grand, thank you for coming, Bill Clinton, because you're conveying, you're conveying power dynamics, status dynamics, presence, approval of the regime on this um, organization, right? And you're, you're then also setting up future endeavors, future projects, future, uh, you know, for, for someone to give a $500,000 speaking fee, it's like, okay, somewhere in the future, they're going to view us favorably, right? So our favor is a, is a, a gift to give. Krunontkat, <clears throat> Welcome. Greet the prince in your speedos like real man. <laughs> Very good. W laser, be present in your children's lives. Yeah, you know, that's the great man. That's a good one. You know, being a father is being an absolute king uh, to your children. You know, all of us wish that we could have had more time with our dads and, and had our dad just be that kingly approval and kingly presence in our lives. Um you know, and for us to be that to, to our children. So, so that, that whole thing of presence, when we speak well of where we live, when we speak well of the businesses, when we speak well of people, you know, that, that's a huge thing for, for gossip. Um, you know, the Bible is very clear on, on, on how we shouldn't be uh, gossips and slandering people and all this kind of thing. I understand the desire uh, for, for ladies, especially the desire to gossip is a sexual uh, strategy uh, where, you have to talk about families and men uh, in a way that you set up status markers and are aware of who you should be trying to uh, maneuver towards. That's what ladies use gossip for, right? Um, and and building up of statuses and and trying to build up their man's status compared to someone else and tear down other status. So so that's where gossip really gets gets going with with females, right? But with men, gossip is from a victim place right of like oh he doesn't like me and and i hate him and he hates me and he said this about me and i hate blah 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 and we start like he did it we start supposing like he didn't greet me because actually he hates me and blah blah blah. and all this comes from being in the shadow uh the artist way it's a great book it talks about it talks about the shadow artist where if you want to be a great writer you're afraid, right? You're afraid of doing the thing and stepping out and taking the risk. And so you, you, you take a shadow position as an editor or a critic or a whatever, and you shoot, you kill the men who are, have the bravery, who do have the bravery to step out and do the thing, right? And so for men, one, again, one of the royal priestly things of giving our gift is blessing other men who are strong, Blessing other men who are doing their gift. Blessing. You know, that's why I say that your gift, I don't say it, Proverbs says it, your gift makes room for you and brings you before great men. So we don't need to slander men. We don't need to criticize men. We don't need to break down men. 
We need to be just out there absolutely pushing our brothers, right? We need to challenge, push, encourage our brothers to give their gift even more. You know, if, if it's an easy one for me, cause you guys are watching my YouTube channel, but if there's, if there's guys out there who are, are doing a YouTube channel to encourage men to be Kings, it's like, come on, brother, like you're reaching people. I'm not, or you're, you're hitting an angle. I'm not like, come on, like, let's go hard. Right. I'm not like, oh, guys, don't watch his channel. He's actually secretly a fraud and blah, 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 and tear them all down. It's like that would be me being insecure of my gift bringing me b before you great men. And it's like same for your guys in your domain, economy, governance, media, ministry, whatever your domain is. Go hard and be confident enough to push other men hard, push other men through opportunities, push other men through doors, push other men into referrals, push other men. Uh, into their glory because remember again a rising tide lifts all ships if you're pushing another man into glory you're going to be sucked in right behind him you know we, we have to get this thing of i want the men around me to succeed i want the men around you know iron sharpens iron it's like it's the whole thing of like i want the men around me to be sharp i want the men around me to be in in full flow of their gifts and so that takes me not being insecure of mine it takes me not hiding mine it takes me stepping out and being like, all right, chaps, we're going to go hard together. <clears throat> DVG, interestingly, for all the scandals that prior politicians have gone through, they still net 500K speaking fees, including Bill Clinton. These elite audiences still crave their presence and their thoughts on world events, national security, intelligence. I think there's a lesson in there somewhere. Yep. Marcel, welcome, brother. So, so that's it, chaps. Understand that our presence is a gift. We, we want to give our presence. We want to give our words, right? Speaking life over men, speaking life over our, our area, our, uh, our community. And then second of all is, is your practical gift, your, your productivity gift, right? What is your, ta your talent, your passions, uh, your, <clears throat> your service, your trade, your products that are valuable to, to other men? You know, and start giving it because that's the that's the thing. You know, for me, it's like, man, I know I'm a bloody good rugby coach. So when it comes time to be like, oh, I should start, uh, I should, you know, go and and apply for some job to be a rugby coach. And it's like, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that because then what if I have to compete and be rejected? And also, it's like, chaps, apply for the things, right? If you are are if you have a a, a gift for governance, if you have a gift for playing the political games. If you have a gift for maneuvering and, and, and uh, authority and all this stuff, start applying for the bureaucratic positions. Start applying uh, to run for offices. Like do the freaking thing. And if you get rejected, dust yourself off. You're, you're being a man, like freaking well done. You know, go for the next thing. Go for the next thing. Keep, keep going hard at the thing that we're afraid to do, but we know we should. Rob, the company you keep defines you. If you are surrounded by turds, you're a turd. Yeah. And, and I would say this, you know, what are, are you looking to other men to define you or are you looking to go hard at something and other men are going to follow you in? You know, that was Saul versus David. Saul, he always looked to other men for approval. He always looked to other men for where to peg his status and where to peg you know, it says when the girls were singing, the girls were singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain their ten thousands. He was looking to all these women singing songs for approval, right? So he became 
the dross. He became the turd. He became fear of man just destroyed him, right? David, on the other hand, was surrounded by 400 turds and he turned them into mighty men because he didn't care. He wasn't looking for their approval. He wasn't looking to compete with them at their level. And, uh, you know, he didn't care that, that, that they didn't think like he thinks. He's like, no, chaps, I'm the captain now. We have to get this mindset, you know, this king energy, this prince presence of like, I'm the captain now. I'm dictating the show and all you, you turds are going to become mighty men. Or I'm leaving you behind in my wake because I'm not stopping to turn back and constantly wait for you or stop being awesome so that you guys aren't threatened or whatever. <clears throat> yep, Rob, he who does more is worth more. Exactly. And so that's it, chaps. For men, you know, creating friendships, it's when we do things together, when we do hard things together. It's it's hard for us on Twitter because we're constantly saying stuff, right? Say, even, even here on YouTube, we're saying things, saying things, saying things. We're putting up a vision. It's all good. It's good things, right? It's great to have a vision. But we aren't creating friendship here. We aren't, you know, it feels like we, we're getting to know each other. We're, we're, we're having uh, some nice pub chat. But real friendship comes when it's like, hey, man, let's go on a fishing trip together. Let's start a business. Let's buy a property together. Let's move to an area together. Let's plant a church together. Let's run for office together. And it's let's coach a rugby team together. It's when you do things together that brotherhood is formed. You know, it's it's that it's that masculine relationships are formed side by side, doing hard things together. DBG Saul sought the songs of the woman. David danced naked with all his might, risking the scorn of the woman, and he accepted that his own wife, Mikhail, might never understand. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not going to bow to approval of women and in a gynocentric society that's one of our our hardest things is the ridicule of women the anger or upsetting uh, the upset woman and it's like we need to get over our fear of death our fear of rejection and ironically that's what what women find the most attractive is a man who doesn't care about their rejection who doesn't care about their uh being controlled by them um it's this crazy inversion that we, you know, us good little Christian boys, don't upset the woman. Don't look stupid. Don't do anything bad. Don't associate with people that could make you dirty. Don't blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, you know, as soon as we get to the point of like, I don't care. I don't care about people's approval. I don't care about women's approval. I care about God. I care about God's approval. Like it's at that point where we just become absolute kings. So yeah, chaps, that was a good chat. Um, what are, what are, what are you guys holding in your hearts that you're excited to do that? You're like, man, like God, I really want to do this thing. And again, it can be the stupidest thing. Take a road trip across the country, float down the Ohio river to the Gulf of Texas, uh, coach a little league team, start a new business have another child, like whatever it is, like there's things on your heart that you're like, this is a, this is something that I'm holding close to my heart, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of voicing it. I'm afraid of, of stepping out towards it. And it's like, man, I bet you God has put that thing on your heart. He's put that desire on your heart, make a plan and start stepping. You know, the, the Lord will direct your steps. 
and, and don't sit on your talents. Don't bury your talents. You know, a lot of us, we know what we're good at. My wife, the other day, she went off to, to go run some errands and, and came back and said she was looking through some books, you know, and, and she almost bought them. And then she was like, wait, we've got these books, you know, books on like how to find your passion, uh, how to, how to find what you were made. And it's like, yeah, we've got tons of these books. And, and all of us have had these Ted talks and, and watched all of the things. And it's like, chaps, deep down, we know what God has made us to do. We know what God has given us a talent for a passion for like, it's easy. Like what are the things you love instead of consuming them? How can I start contributing them? You know, for, for me, it's like, it's, I love consuming. I love listening to men talk about things that are outside of, of the, of the window of acceptance. I love listening to, to podcasts about guys talking about masculinity, about faith, about nationalism, about all the stuff. And so for the longest time, all I've done is consume, consume, consume. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, I need to start contributing. And so it's, it's that way for, for all of us, whatever our domain is, right? We probably consume a lot of things in our domain that, you know, that's the great question that, that, that I really love. It's what would you do even if you had to pay to do it? You know, so for me, it's coaching rugby, right? Like it costs me money to go and coach rugby, but I love doing it so much. And I'm so good at it that I, yeah, I'm happy to go do that. And it's like, God, like there's something like that for, for each of us. And it's like, God, I want to do this full time. I want to, I want to give my life to doing the thing, to, to producing value that you made me to do. That's, that's juiced, you know? And, and it might take time, you know, it, it's, it's that whole thing again of like a lot of guys be like, Oh, Scott, we can't just all quit our jobs and go rub coconut oil on a beach uh, for the rest of our lives. Boy, it's just not realistic. And it's like, that's also not like, that's not going to fulfill us. Like, that's not the thing we, you know, we're not talking about the whole you know, retire early, go rub coconut oil. We're talking about doing work amongst the people that you love, um, that energizes you, that juices you. How can you start moving towards that? You know, that is the ultimate meaning. It's the ultimate fulfillment comes from giving your gift to people who honor it, to people who appreciate it, to people who are like, man, you're really good at that. Glad you're here. Like super thankful for you. And it's like, wow, like that's what we all crave. And we can find it uh, where we are. You know, we can find it among the people that, that we love and the place we are. Um, and it's not just one thing. It's, it's many little things. You know, we can have many little projects, many little uh, things, but, but give the gift, start doing the things. You know, if you have a passion to go plant trees, if you have a passion uh, to go and, and fix cars, it's like, guys, do the thing to the glory of God. Don't watch others do it. Don't, don't just consume, consume others. Go give the things. Love you, boys. Have a wonderful uh, weekend. I pray that you have, uh, yeah, just a great time dreaming with the Lord, and then uh, and then taking taking steps. You know, let's let's start taking steps to contributing and finding other strong men and and doing things together. So uh, praise God. Appreciate you guys all in the chat. Thanks for for gunning it, and uh, yeah, have a great weekend, boys.